He grew up in the oil fields of West Texas. He's been all over the Western Hemisphere, a radio and TV veteran, former restaurateur, and a cowboy at heart. He's Earl Farrell, and he calls Memphis home because Memphis is cool. This This is the Earl Farrell for Memphis show, brought to you by Southern Security, your home team credit union, and by Kathy Thurman Edwards State Farm Insurance. And now, here's your host, Earl Farrell. And thank you very much, and welcome in. Uh, we're going to jump right into it today. We've got uh, Joe Ellen Sullivan here in the studio with us. Uh, she is the uh, longtime bride of my good friend <laughs> Silky Sullivan, who uh, passed away a few years ago. But uh, as I said to Joe as we came into the building a minute ago, I said, nobody ever confused Silky Sullivan for anybody else. He was one in a gazillion and was a great ambassador for Memphis. He absolutely was, and one of the things that he so much enjoyed uh, was when he discovered Ireland and getting to go over there and take people just for the enjoyment of Ireland. He got invited to a barbecue one day, and he said it was the worst experience ever. (laughs) He said they had this pig on a spit over a bed of coal. Coal. Coal, not charcoal. No, they didn't even know what charcoal was. Which Let me tell you something. Coal gives off an odor, <laughs> like a fuel smell. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. And he said they hacked off a piece of this pork that was done, at least, <laughs> and put it on a piece of Irish soda b- bread with some ketchup. Yeah. And he said, and they're like, and there's your barbecue. And Silky's like, this will not do. And uh, so from there, he decided that he he was going to make it his mission to give the gift of barbecue to Ireland. And not just barbecue. He brought the first charcoal that was ever right. brought to Ireland. Exactly. I, I don't know if he brought uh, which brand he brought, but it was Briquettes. It, 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 was, it was Kingsford. Kingsford. Was that's Kingsford. what I that's cook on. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And the reason Joel's here is because we're really going back to the very beginning of the Memphis and May barbecue, which Silky was a huge part of that, along with the pub crawl, so many right. things he, he mm-hmm. started in Memphis. And uh, it's going to be back on Beale Street, uh, not this weekend, but next weekend. Yes, exactly right. At Handy Park. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, so it's funny how things work. The the patio porkers, which is really essentially what started the barbecue in the first place, That's a bunch right. of people that cooked down their backyard. Exactly right. And so they got the boot from Memphis and May. That was the first group to get the boot this year. And then 135 other teams got, later on got the boot. Uh, so they said, what are we going to do? And somebody told me, they said, they're talking about moving it to Beale Street. And then I heard you got involved. Absolutely. And I, what was the – they really didn't know where they were going to go, right? No, they were just out. And um, one of the things that we had talked about, the merchants of Beale Street have had an eye on Memphis in May, of course, for all these years, you know, going out to uh, the fairgrounds but coming back, you know, what can we do? Uh, to get back as part of this. And so being able to have the blues stage, uh, that was the first thing that was easy. Because they, also, got, they got, got displaced as yeah, well. Yeah, they got the boot, too. They were they got the boot before the barbecue teams That's did. That's right. And so when they were talking about the barbecue and, and downsizing, and as soon as we heard that uh, the patio porkers were not going to make the cut, we're like, well, we need to see if no. Memphis and May will let the patio porkers, because it's only 30 teams, yeah. and it's their 15-by-15-foot 15 15 sites, and we're like, boy, oh, boy, how easy and convenient yeah. would that be? And so uh, we put that before them, and they said that would be fine. Jim Holt, very gracious, said you can use uh, the name patio porker. He said, I can't help you with the judging. I don't have any leftover judges, and we're like, we'll figure that out. 
And um, so here we go. And uh, we are starting simply um, by just doing ribs. It's like, let's don't make this complicated. That's how we all started as ribs. Nobody would have thought of doing a, a Boston butt or a shoulder, certainly not a whole hog. No. So it was ribs. That's because you can't really screw ribs up. You well, really can't. And it's something you can do in a day. Yeah. So here we are in Handy Park with great accessibility. If you think about it from a team perspective, Absolutely. you're talking about being able to load in between 7 and 10, which will take about 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. So you have this beautiful window of time to work with, uh, no significant distance to work with. Nope. You've got a 15 by 15 foot spot, uh, ribs only, blind judging only, so you don't have to put on a show. You know, and um, we're going to judge championship ribs at 4.30 in the afternoon, and there's no doubt that we'll be ready to give out some prizes at 6 o'clock. Now, uh, do you already have a full uh, contention? We we have, we're very pleased. We have 24 teams. Great. um, And a classic, classic situation where, you know, you've had some sign up, and then they, they back out for other reasons, and others come back on. But one thing we're very excited about, we have two international teams. Great. We've got a team from Guatemala and a team from Costa Rica. <laughs> We've got a judge from Brazil. We've got a, a media team from Paris that's coming. Wow. So we're going to have a real sure enough nice little microcosm. So this will be next Saturday. What time will the park open for people to come in? Can they come watch them cook? Or? Absolutely, okay. and this is free. That's it's the other thing about it. There's it's no free. big fence can be around <laughs> Handy Park. <laughs> no, or that is correct. So um, there, like I said, I expect um, all the fires to be up and going by ten, and yeah, we'll watch them watch them cook. Uh, now, just like Memphis in May in the Tom Lee Park. You know, there's no food to be given away. The health department. But there's Bill out. Street. That's Everything exactly there. right. And it's one of the things that we want to promote is we've got ten restaurants on the street that serve great ribs every single day of the year. So, hello, yeah, go watch <laughs> them, right? Which was always the biggest. In fact, they finally started letting food trucks go yes. to Memphis to make yes. If you didn't know somebody on a team, you got nothing to eat. That's right. Which was always a shocker to people that would come from out of the country. Mm-hmm. They get here and say, well, where do we get our barbecue? said, you ain't. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, you know, Saturday, big competition day, that's the day you're really not going to eat. Yeah, because they're because using ribs. so the, serious. Yeah. yeah, they got to turn them over to the judges. Uh, what I think is really cool is it all started, uh, what, 75, 76 is mm-hmm. when the first one was, and mm-hmm. it was in the parking lot. Next to the Orpheum Theater, it was just a gravel parking lot, which is now about a six- or seven-story parking garage. Exactly. Just about ready. And remember the year they came in with one big old tent? Oh, I did. That was the that first was year great. I went. Yeah. It was like being in a building on fire. <laughs> a lot. A lot. you walked in, they had flaps that they rolled up, but the smoke all went up. And, and so from about head high, there was a layer of smoke. It was like mm-hmm. being in fog, except you couldn't breathe. There were actually people I saw that had buried a whole hog underground, built a fire on top of it. Mm-hmm. I think they incinerated that thing. <laughs> but, the, 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 you know, I think back to the early years, those yes. were, the, to me, the best years of the barbecue. Well, you know, life was certainly a lot simpler. Yes. And one of the things that we feel like that uh, bringing the patio porkers into Handy Park is just a return to some of that simplicity. I, we've cooked, um, Silky O'Sullivan's had a team in the park for many years. The first year we did that was um, we were asked to help host an Irish cooking team the first the year that Ireland was the honored country for Memphis in May and so that was kind of the first year that we 
started having a team. And, and we had already started the barbecue in Ireland at that time. So we knew those folks that were coming over, and that was all, uh, you know, that was all very interesting. But, you know, I, I just know for us that it gets a, a little more complicated every year uh, and that sort of thing. And not only for the teams that are competing, but even for the judges. Yeah. And I think to be able to have this uh, uh, fallback position, uh, where it's so much simpler, not only for the teams, to but, cook, for but even for the judges yeah. themselves. And so um, we've got uh, a series of teams that have never cooked before, of course, but we've got some acolytes. So we got some veteran teams that have had folks in the background that are now ready to step up and try it out. Well, I know a lot of young, I had some guys in here last week uh, mm-hmm. that are starting to, first, they went to their first uh, cook-off in uh, Marion a couple of weeks ago, and I asked them, are they going to be in the Bill Street? Because now, we're, but we're going to be there next year. Yeah. So I think you're going to see a lot of people come down there and experience this mm-hmm. and say, we're going to be in next year. And I do want to give it a plug for Silky O'Sullivan. So probably one of the best bars ever made anywhere. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. And just this, there's still the presence of Silky is there. We'll always be there. That's what we hope. And, uh, you know, I can't pass that place. I just don't hardly expect to see him sitting outside saying, Earl, come on in. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, well, and Earl, let me tell you one of the other little things we thought up to do that we just thought would be fun because it's right here in Handy Park. And, uh, we know, we want to make a day of it. There'll be a DJ there and all that sort of thing. But we're going to let the restaurants of Bill actually have a, a, a novelty kind of competition. So at 2 in the afternoon, all of them will have their very own blind box, and they can pull a slab of ribs off their line, cut it up, put it in that That's box, and send idea. it in. And so we will have a competition amongst uh, for, of the restaurants on Beale Street, the 10 restaurants that are participating, and it'll be the best restaurant rib on Beale. On Beale. And the prize is they're going to be the rib king. <laughs> and so there's no, there, there, there's only a first place. There's no second, there's no third, and there's sure not a tenth. So you're either going to win <laughs> or not, and be the rib king or fade into the background. But we're real excited That's that and we think it'll be a lot of fun uh, because it is everybody, what we find during barbecue uh, year after year, is that actually it's a great food week because yeah. people go down there and they either don't get enough to eat, they don't get something good to eat, yeah. Or they want some good barbecue. Well, you'll get good barbecue no matter where you go on Beale Street because it's all over the place. Yes, and, sir, and it I, is. I, I'm really looking forward to it, mm-hmm. and thank you for making it happen. Oh, absolutely. Uh, we're just we're thrilled to death, and there's no doubt this is the first year. This is not the last year. We've worked with uh, uh, Metal Museum for some fabulous prizes. Oh, we have, cool. Oh, yeah, we're really we're 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 going to do as as big as you can do on a patio porker. For year one. Well, we're looking forward. Joel and Sullivan, thanks for coming by. And, Appreciate uh, it so much. We'll look forward to hearing about it. We'll have you come back in. We'll talk about it after it happens. Sounds okay? good. Looking All right. forward to that. All right. Don't forget, next Saturday, you get in about 10 o'clock in the morning, start watching them cook, and you can eat the ribs till they come out your ears, which is I recommend Bravo. doing. All right. We're going to take a quick break then, and we'll be right back. And welcome back. Uh, joining me in studio now is George Gully from G 
Jim Carrey Chevrolet on Covington Pike. Hey, and, uh, Carl, I'm glad we, to be here with you. Enjoyed listening to your barbecue well, discussion jo- yeah, on jo- the way in. It made me hungry. Joellen uh, Sullivan was here, and uh, she left me a couple of coins that had Silky Sullivan's uh, image on here, and it's a little that says, Memphis, uh, Tennessee, Silky Sullivan's established 1973, and you, yeah. you you remember going there? As a, I can remember back in my early days going there when it first opened, and we talked about how I had a tree growing through the bar and, and the divers. If those of you out there don't remember it, there that's were paint you, buckets full of Well, that's probably what libation. happened is they had a couple of those divers that they don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. We won't go that far. No. No. Uh, but uh, what he, he was a great uh, ambassador for Memphis. Uh, he was the one that started the pub crawl, if you've ever the pub I crawl. I remember from, that. From Beale Street all the way to uh, Overton Square and started bringing the mayor of, of one of the cities in Ireland every year for for the uh, St. Patrick's Day. You're right. And so he's just a he was a, a great Memphian, did great things. He still has a great bar. And you you feel his presence. He go in there, and you just feel like he's getting ready to walk in the door. He, he was he was one of the people in this area that no one cannot remember. Nah. They lived in Memphis like I have and you for it, many many years. If you ever if you ever saw him, you never forgot him. And if you met him, you definitely never forgot him because he was just uh, that dynamic uh, uh, personality. Uh, he. Uh, did you, ever, did you ever sell him a car? Because you've sold everybody. A never, car. You know what? I've never done business with Silky, but. Uh, He's I met few. him once or twice over the years. Yeah. He, he was a fun guy and, and brought fun times to all of us. Well, you're selling a lot now. You were supposed to be on Monday. And you called me and said, i got a problem. But it's not really a problem. I've got three cars I'm delivering today. So yeah. We've been super busy. And what I want to chat with you just briefly about is, is what we all know. Because of the world situation, interest rates are all over the place. This client and I had, um, you know, he's bought many cars from us, and which was great. And he selected a vehicle. It was pre-owned, and it was a good deal. But at the same time, the interest rate he was paying versus what we could get him on a new, on a shorter-term loan was seven points difference. You know, he saved $8,000. Wow. That's serious money. That is. And so when people are out, as he was, he looked on the Internet. He found a particular vehicle. Rachel and I, and you know Rachel sure, very well. Yeah. She's a great part of your, t- great part of your team. Yeah. She is. She's the biggest part of my team. <laughs> so all said, he was ready to buy this car, and he came in to do it. And we said, well, you know what? You If we switch to this new uh, Equinox, in this case, it was a midsize SUV, he, bought the, he literally bought the new one for virtually the same, if not less, money. Because I've heard that uh, just recently that that used cars are now going more than the brand new cars right out of the factory. It, it, it can be that way. Because of factory incentives, interest rates from the different financial institutions because it's a new car and you can extend the, the payments but keep the interest rates lower. And you need to think about this, folks, when you're coming out. Sometimes not only the bank, as you mentioned, offers a better rate, the factory can leapfrog that and offer additional savings so that's what we did we used the factory 1.9 as opposed to the bank rate which was uh seven points higher and something else i want to talk about is because i know you have some really pretty good deals on leases yeah uh and and what people are doing now as i understand it is when it's time to turn in their lease cars 
they got their lease cars at a, such a good deal that instead of turning them back in, they're buying them. And they, they're getting a better deal by buying them than turning them back in and going out and trying to find the same car. You're 100% correct. If you are today leasing a vehicle and you need some assistance, I'll be happy to guide you. Uh, in, in many cases, you're better off buying your lease car because you've got equity in it. You don't even realize it, yeah. as opposed to giving it right back and you're handing over and, thousands of dollars. And, and walked away with nothing. That's exactly correct. And so you, even if they lease the car from somebody else, you'll still help them Yeah, transition. I got them. I mean, yeah. your, your clients are, are – excuse me, your listeners are good people, yeah. and I'm able to do that and will do that. Well, and, and that's why I tell people to, to go to you, though, because you're more than just some guy that's going to sell them a car. Same people come back and buy cars for you year after year after year. And I know the reason why, because I bought cars from you before. Yeah. And it's because of the detail, your team, you get in there. Most people, you spend maybe two, maybe three days buying a car. And with you, you once you pick out the car, you're out of there in a few hours. That's, we try to make it that way. Well, I'm, I'm humble in the sense I've been doing this for now, going on 34 years. I got a uh, back-and-forth thread going with our good friend Larry Ennis. His birthday was just it last was yesterday. Yeah. That's what we were wishing him a happy birthday. And so he, he said, I'm thinking about coming back and trading. I said, Larry, we don't want to trade with you. I mean, <laughs> enjoy your new car. He he reminded me he's bought nine from me. Wow. So that's, I'm, you know, to me, that's why I still do this. Well, because, and which is the great thing about Memphis, and we were talking about this the other day, is the, the people you do business with aren't just people you do business with. These are your neighbors and friends. Wow. And once you start doing business with them, why would you go someplace else? I mean, uh, and that's what people have done with you for years. I mean, well, you, thank you very much. I'm, it, I'm very lucky to have had the the I guess 35 years of selling, and have all the customers coming back. You know, we Rachel and I we counted today. We've been working nine years, and as you said, she is the she is the right hand that I have to do these deals. Yeah, she's we're there ta- running the show right now. right now. We're talking to George Gully. We're going to come back right after the break because I want to talk about what's coming in and what's on the lot right now. So stay with us. And thank you very much, and uh, welcome back. George Gully, my good friend, is in with Jim Carris Chevrolet, and uh, we're talking new cars and trucks. Well, we're talking about also used cars and trucks. They also sell those, but right now, I mean, after going through COVID, the pandemic, and and the shortage of chips, you couldn't get anything. <laughs> You're right. But they're coming in now. How many you got on the lot right now? Okay, so as you said, first we had the microchip shortage, then parts shortage, which created the um, imbalance of production. I remember back in June, uh, we had a TV commercial that I'm fortunate enough to do, and we had maybe six or eight cars out front, and that was virtually half of our new car inventory. Wow. And that's a number I don't even want to talk about. No. But today, uh, maybe 175. That's a little shorter than what we want, but we now have representation of most of every product, and we have the pipeline opened up. So I get calls. I'm fortunate to have these clients calling me, and we invite you to call me. Uh, I'll share with you what we have on the ground, what we've got coming, and more often than not, we're able to help you. So I want to talk just a little bit about the, the new cars. I got in one the other day, and what I noticed immediately is how firm the seats are, and the, the leather quality is different than it used to be. Well, we, we're, you know, improvements are made year in, year out, and uh, I had a client that took possession of a, of a new Armada. 
And the first thing she commented on, what are all these electronics? And we've got the Apple CarPlay. We've got all the new features uh, now. In, um, hotspots. Yeah, the hotspots, the Wi-Fi, all these things that help you uh, diminish the opportunity to even have a wreck. So we, we have lane change alert. We have cross-traffic alert. We have uh, the new systems in place to protect the driver and keep them from uh, making them a, a mistake. I think today is as good a time as any to look at a new car. And so I appreciate you having me today because, you know, it's it's getting to be vacation time. And if you're driving in an older car without warranty, here's a way to diminish that. We talked about some interest rate opportunities that are out there. So this is a good time for you just to pick up the phone and call me, and, and I'll be happy to guide you. Let's talk about the you going in a new car. Uh, what is the interest rate on a new, like a Tahoe? It, well— Okay, so as we discussed with the increase of the bank rates because of the uh, federal increases in the Fed fund rate, you're looking at the six, seven, eight range. That's a couple of points higher than what it was a year and a half, two years ago. But the factories now have become sensitive to the uh, total cost, and so we've got deals that are out there. And that's the whole as thing. As low as 1.9, yeah. that's your question. because. And especially young people, I tried to explain that to my son when he was buying the truck a couple of years ago. I said, you want to get the lowest interest rate you can because all you most people think about is what's my monthly payment. But if your monthly payment is 48 uh, months, that's one thing. But if you if you want to keep your payments low and all of a sudden you got a high interest rate and you got to extend it out to, and you can't do it on a used car, but new ones you get out 72 months. Well, at the end of that, it can go longer. It can be even longer. At the end of that, you're paying thousands of dollars more right. for the same car. And my goal has always been to try to save the customer money over time. Yeah. That way they know that we've given them an appreciable value, and that in turn has built my business. Which it isn't too hard to think through. And you also look for the best way to do it because there's a lot of different ways to, to skin a cat, and that's what your job is to is well, figure out for each here's customer. here's an example. You mentioned the lease. I'm presently leasing a vehicle uh, I like to trade every three years, but most people can't trade three years and still have um, equity. In most cases, they're going to have negative equity. So in my case, as, as we speak to others, we say, when do you want to trade? And, and so when you hear that magical word, I like to trade every three, four, five years, I'm going to talk to them about a lease. And then they can come out of it without having a negative equity, which we know that's the taboo and it rolls to the next transaction. Well, and also the keeping it after that. Even if you just keep it for another year and then you sell it outright, you've got equity in it. You're gonna that's you, right. You can sell it. You're gonna hundred percent correct, Earl. We need to hire you to come and <laughs> sit with me daily. Hey, I do. Ah, well, I come. That's, out, that's how I've learned all ago. this stuff. I come out there and just sit right. there and listen to you and Rachel and, and what you're working on. Uh, but it really is. I mean, the reason you've been so successful so long is you do take care of your customers, well, and that you, that really. It's almost a lost art in customer service, and, and that's something you provide that, uh, I mean, gosh, if you just go someplace and somebody will come up to you and talk to you, you sit there and go, hey. <laughs> we're, we're there. To, you won't find us out on the lot, but all you got to do is ask for George Gully or Rachel. We're there for you. And uh, just for a minute, I want to talk a little bit about the Grizzlies. I know you're a huge fan of the Grizzlies. Hey, and, we and they had on a, the chin. We did. Last time I was here with you, we were we were close, yeah. but yet um, that didn't that didn't happen all the time that you get to the finals we're going to wait till next year of course well you still it's a, it's a great team and and if you think and a lot of people look at that the you know what's the end goal the end goal is really to be entertained and enjoy uh, a team 
And that certainly everybody did in Memphis this year. Enjoyed everything about the Grizzlies. Uh, we're going to bet. We're, this is a special group of guys, and we're going to fine tune. We talked about Dylan. No, we hadn't talked about Dylan, but he's no longer with us. So we don't have to talk we about him. We don't have to talk about him. <laughs> but they're going to come up with the answer to that. Yeah. And I firmly believe the Grizzlies are going to be there next year. I just think that he and everybody I talk to, I'm not as huge a fan as so many other people are that know a lot more about basketball than I do, especially professional basketball. But they said he just did so many things that didn't help the team. Everybody else was advancing the team, and everything right. it, it seemed like everything he was, could have done to help, he digressed. Hey, they, we were talking about the uh, barbecue fest. The Grizzlies are going to have a great tent out there. I'm going to change the subject oh, at on the, at the not to, Memphis and May. Yeah. yeah, in Memphis and May. They'll be out there, so maybe you'll see some of the players. Yeah, you know, that would be great. Do most of the guys live here, or do, or do they live other places and go away during the offseason? From my knowledge, I would bet or know that at least uh, six or seven players are full year in, year out here. Stay here. Uh, some of the um, other players do travel. But uh, most of them are living in Memphis. Well, it's, uh, I mean, we love them. And uh, we, in the University of Memphis, uh, got spring training coming out pretty soon, spring football to get ready for the next Earl, year. I am not a sports announcer. Did you ever do sports over your no. years? No, well, I did once. And you'll love this story. I was filling in. Right when I first got in, and the sports guy didn't show up. He got sick or something and didn't come back for the 10 o'clock. They said, you're doing the 10 o'clock sports. <laughs> He'd already written I bet it. you did a good job. Well, here's what it was. There's a guy back in the day named Jesus Alou. You may uh, yeah. remember. I remember the name. Well, I didn't know about Jesus Alou. And it's, I'm reading it cold on a teleprompter, and I, it rolls up and I say, <laughs> did you? And Jesus, hallelujah, batted in. Uh, well, maybe that's not Jesus. Uh, maybe yeah. Jesus. <laughs> anyway, Jesus, because hallelujah. One thing, sports fans are not forgiving individuals. <laughs> no, no. And if you make some stupid mistake like that they let you know about it so after that if i ever filled in i said i'm reading this whole script before i go on we could get our friend larry back on and larry yes he could do he it. was he a did sports it guy in the 80s in he the sure channel did it. That's, that's where i met him was at channel three his brother was a sports guy in houston and his dad was a sports uh, announcer in houston he was yeah he was i've i've met uh his brother and uh his dad was the w i think it was the wmc announcer for the astros uh K-H-O-U, because they were all K's. And well, that's right. They're different. Uh, but, yeah. But I he think, was I with think, the Astros. Yeah. So I that, just remember his was, his brother saying that uh, Jack Nicholson came into the Astros uh, dressing room after a game. And he goes, I said, what did he say? He said, he walked in and said, so tell me, guys, is the beer cold or what? <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> oh, my. Well, George Gully, give them a number they can call okay, you. Okay, folks, if you need some assistance, don't hesitate to call me or guidance. 901-491-8343. I won't be there this afternoon. Rachel is there, but I'll be back tomorrow and uh, happy to help you all with anything. Go out there and just take a look at these new cars. You will be amazed. It's like it's like crawling aboard the space shuttle. And you look at it, what are those? It's like they said, what do those buttons do? Uh, Earl, <laughs> you're too kind, and thank you for having me today. Absolutely. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. And welcome back on uh, this lovely afternoon. It's lovely if you're not driving. We've got some traffic situations going on right now. I-55 southbound is uh, blocked. You've got, uh, it's uh, down and pulling up the information on right now. Closed due to overturned vehicles south of Range Road, I-55, between Brooks Road, exit 5. Um, and so it's got traffic backed up all the way uh, into the Midtown area. Uh, the alternate routes would be uh, going out 
uh, 61, uh, uh, the old 3rd Street, uh, way to get the, to down south. Uh, also, you can uh, go around the south loop and pick up Lamar and come in kind of from the back way. Also, we've got another accident that uh, is on uh, I-40 West at the 101 Connector Exit 3. Uh, that was reported at uh, 301, and there's still got the, um, I guess it would be the westbound lanes are blocked there, so avoid that area. Uh, and then you get some uh, slowdown downtown on I-40 going to the new bridge. And uh, so there's some traffic out there. Also, be aware that we did have some weather moving in earlier, just about uh, 2 o'clock this afternoon. Had some really heavy rain in Collierville. I'm pulling up radar right now. And uh, it was a heavy, heavy downpour. Uh, And then uh, it kind of dissipated. But I looked at at the radar then. And uh, there's more stuff. And it's coming from south, down from the south. And we're supposed to have uh, some more. I'll see if I can find out when the next little round is going to hit. But... uh, Right now, it's showing it above above Memphis, but as I said, it's coming from the south, uh, from the southwest, and moving to the northeast. Uh, there's a pretty good little cell east of Hernando, and then about uh, four o'clock, it shows it uh, moving through the Clarksdale area. But then, in this time of year, they'll build up, they'll drop. And as Dave Brown used to call them, these little popcorn showers, they pop up and they're gone. And that's kind of what we're dealing with right now. So, uh, and these will be going on into the evening, uh, but no major lines of thunderstorms. So just be aware of that and also be aware of the traffic situation, I-55 South, uh, find other alternate routes to get around that. And then up on I-40 uh, up near Watkins is uh, messed up. Otherwise, uh, traffic throughout the city looks like it's moving pretty good. So we've always got that going. Uh, I was talking to some people uh, today about the uh, Memphis and May Music Fest. Uh, apparently, the turnout was not as uh, heavy as it has been in years past. Of course, this will be, I guess, uh, the first year in four years that they've had it down there. And uh, so that's kind of a different thing. Plus, it's not as big an area of venue as it was wide open as it used to be. But uh, they said the good news was that uh, the people that did go wasn't too crowded. You had plenty of elbow room, except on the walkways in between the different music venues, uh, because the, the, you got to go on these sidewalks. They've got they built these moguls down there, so it's not like you can just uh, cut through and cut across the grass. There's actually hills you got to climb up and down, and so. Those are covered with shrubs and trees and bushes. So it's just a whole different world down there. And, and I haven't been there on the park. I've looked at aerial shots, drone shots, and, and pictures. Uh, but I haven't been down there to physically uh, walk through it and see what it looks like. But the people that I did talk to, I talked to Rodney Baber, who sent me a uh, text Friday. He and Lyman Aldrich and Tom Hutton, who were three of the founding fathers of Memphis and May. And they said, you know... It's pretty cool. We and, and they didn't know what they were going to think about it. Uh, but they said, you know, it flows well. Jim uh, Holt has done a good job of, of set the way the setup is. And uh, then I talked to some people that live downtown, and they said the noise factor wasn't near as bad as it has been in the past, just where they, the way they have the stages set up and the speakers. And they said then it didn't last as late into the night. In years past, it's, 
it was so loud down there at two o'clock in the morning, people yelling and screaming. <laughs> and we just had Joe Ellen Sullivan here who has Silky Sullivan's. And I remember talking to people on Bill Street that said after music fest in years past, you would hear this thunder sound like Buffalo across the open plains. Uh, and when they, the last song ended at the uh, Tongley park, thousands of people would then start running for Bill street to get it, be the first to get into the bars to get another drink in there. So, uh, the, that didn't really happen this year either. There were people that were down at the music fest <clears throat> kind of hung around down there and then just kind of left from there. They didn't really get the boost that they have in the years past. Now there were people that came to uh, Beale street, but they just didn't go down to the music fest. And so it, they're taking advantage of just, uh, being downtown, being part of it. But, uh, you had to pay to get into Music Fest. And we were talking to Joe Ellen when she was here a minute ago about the very first Music Fest was on a flatbed truck. I can remember like it was yesterday. Irving Salky put it on. It was a local lawyer. And they had a flatbed truck over by this church that's down on the uh, east end of Beale Street. And uh, it was out in this field where they used to have the Cotton Carnival, the Jubilee Carnival set up and uh there was probably maybe a hundred people out there watch watching the different acts it has come a long way it's and uh you know like anything else it it evolves it's evolving again and we'll see how it turns out uh, we know they did pull it off it, they got it up it, it happened and there were some good acts uh they did say one of the reasons the turnout might not have been as good as some of the acts weren't spectacular and but they didn't get started trying to book acts until they knew it was going to happen there so they didn't really start until the end of last summer early fall and you got to book the really good ones a couple of years out of course the pandemic stopped all that that's hurt everybody in trying to book long range because uh, nobody was doing anything so next year should be a lot better and uh and we'll find out how the memphis and may barbecue which will be not this weekend but next weekend uh, it'll kick off about uh, Thursdays, usually a traditional day for, for it to load in, usually on Wednesday. Start cooking on Thursday, then Friday nights, family and friends night, and that's when everybody goes down there. I always, I was, Friday night was always kind of my favorite night, and then Saturday's the big judging day and the Miss Piggy contest and, and, and all the different categories, ribs, whole hog, shoulders, anything but. Um, and it is the World Championship Barbecue. I do think it's neat that they have started the uh, patio porkers uh, down on Beetle Street at Club Handy. That'll kick off uh, not this Saturday, but next Saturday at 10 a.m. And, and Handy Park, and that's absolutely free. Go down there and have a big time and enjoy it. And um, and uh, you can have your own little uh, Memphis and May barbecue there. And uh, and then you could get all the ribs, the barbecue, and other kind of food you want on Beetle Street. You don't even need a food truck, although I think there'll be some down there. So be sure and check all that out. And uh, this weekend is kind of a weekend off. So if you want to go down to Tom Lee Park, you can probably get in just to look and see what it looks like before the barbecue. Although they may have it blocked off because they don't want anybody down there monkeying around with the stages or anything else. But you can still, if you're along the walkway up above on the bluff, you can walk down that and kind of get a sneak peek. Once again, uh, traffic on I-55 South is uh, blocked uh, right there at Rains. Uh, headed south, so find an altar route there, and up on I-40 going into downtown on the westbound lanes is blocked. Keep that in mind. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. 
He grew up in the oil fields of West Texas. He's been all over the Western Hemisphere, a radio and TV veteran, former restaurateur, and a cowboy at heart. He's Earl Farrell, and he calls Memphis home because Memphis is cool. This is the Earl Farrell for Memphis show, brought to you by Southern Security, your home team credit union, and by Kathy Thurman Edwards State Farm Insurance. And now, here's your host, Earl Farrell. And thank you very much, and uh, welcome back. Uh, we've got Vicki Gandy with the Gandy team uh, that is in studio, but we want to update you on some traffic situations. You heard Jim Miller just now talking about uh, some situation down south, I-55. You've got a crash overturned vehicle on I-55 between uh, Brooks Road and Exit 5. You also have uh, another one at I-55 uh, and Elvis Presley, another car that's uh, disabled, and then one down on Shelby Drive. So uh, it's your typical uh, afternoon drive time, crash and bang. You also got one up on um, uh, I-40 West on the 101 connector. And uh, there's a 20-minute delay on the I-55. So if you can uh, find another way to get south, I would do it. Take 61 or move over to the east and take Lamar down, then cut back on um, the loop there. So uh, we've got Todd Starnes on the line right now. Uh, good afternoon, Todd. What's happening? Hey, Earl. And uh, just to let people know, again, with this travel, not only, you know, the crash is on I-55, but the backup extends all the way up onto I-240 around South Parkway. So that is a, that's a pretty long delay yeah. there as uh, people are now just now starting to get off work and that's adding to the traffic volume there. So, you know, if you have the opportunity, get off the interstate yeah. right now if you're heading down to DeSoto County. Yeah, in fact, I just told him it's a 20-minute delay as it is now, but it's uh, it's 4.08, so people are getting off. As you just said, it's going to get worse, and it is backed up all the way into Midtown. So I would avoid that uh, like the plague. Absolutely, absolutely. So that's the latest we've got. And, of course, you mentioned that crash on the exit ramp there at Elvis Presley, so that's certainly not helping matters no. either. Yeah, and when they start like that, then you have somebody else that bumps into somebody else waiting in traffic or trying to get around it. So, you know, it just don't stop. Also, uh, there is some weather uh, moving in, but uh, right now we're kind of in the in between uh, showers, so at least we got that going for us. Absolutely. Well, thanks a lot, Earl. Appreciate it. Thank you, Todd. Right. Uh, Todd never takes a break. He's always working. <laughs> and he told me he was going to go home early today, but he didn't do it. No, he's uh, still here. Uh, and uh, Vicki Gandy is here, and she was telling me, she said, this has been a long week already, and it's only <laughs> it's only Wednesday. I know. I was just talking to Todd Stars downtown. He's, uh, he said, isn't it just Wednesday? I'm like, you sure it's not Friday? <laughs> <laughs> Can't we make it Friday? <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, yes. uh, the, uh, and congratulations to you and your son, Thomas. You guys uh, were picked. And went with the, you were honored with the realtors, uh, realtor team, my mom and or family. What was the exact? Well, word? it's a group. It's a magazine that's called uh, Memphis Real Producers. They're across the country, and um, they you get chosen because of you know how you sell, how much you sell, and all. It's you know kind of like a multi million dollar club type thing. And we've been in it for a couple of years, and but you know we hadn't been featured. We just you know, we had a little interview, and that was great, which we were thrilled to be part of it. But they called Jeff, um, the guy that runs it, and he asked me to um, us to do a. They were doing like mother son, father son. Um, not father, son, mother, son, mother, daughter for Mother's Day. For Mother's Day, yeah. And uh, so they, what we did, we went out. We went out to take pictures out on the lake out there off of uh, Rod Lagrange and Cairo Arlington. And there's this lake out there. I've forgotten the name of it. 
and the wind was blowing about 150 miles an hour. <laughs> I mean, you're standing there, and there's like, okay, smile, and your hair's blowing, you know, and it's like blowing us over. It was hysterical. Everybody was cracking up. So we looked a little windblown, a little mussy. But um, but anyway, it was fun, um, and being honored in that was in great. So there, I was going to bring, like I told you, I was going to bring the magazine, and I haven't seen it yet. They just well, sent us an email. You can look at it. I put it up on our promo for the show today, well, so it's up there with uh, your other Team Gandhi photo. Uh, but that is kind of cool, though, uh, having uh, your son working with you. If you think about it, most successful businesses do involve family. He is truly a blessing. We did um, uh, Alex Wiseman, who you probably remember, the, Gary and them from Christ Methodist, they're they're his son, uh, Alex. I sold him his house, and he's getting ready to relocate. So we went over to look at his house. And Thomas came in, and I'm the the warm fuzzy, the negotiator, you know, the excitement person. I take all the pictures and do the staging kind of thing, and he's the numbers guy. So he comes in with his little spreadsheet, which I could shoot myself if I had to do that. And, you know, with all, <laughs> all the all the comps, and, oh, here's the best comps, and here's the worst comps, and blah, blah, all this. And he's got them all lined up. And, of course, he's in Alex is a you know kind of analytical kind of guy, and he's like looking at all of them. And I'm thinking, thank God he does that because I I would rather hang myself. Yeah, but that's what makes a good team is yeah. having yeah. Uh, people that enjoy doing other things. If you both did the same thing, then we'd go. If only we had somebody who could do the numbers. <laughs> <laughs> and it is equally important too. I mean, I can do them, but I I can't present them as well. And he loves to go through contracts. He loves every line because he's a political science um, history major, double major. So he loves. He was going to go into law, and then. Malco changed his mind, and he worked for Malco for quite a few years, but um, opening theaters for them and all that. But he's um, he's he's great at that, and he presents it and explains it well. And I'm walking around going, okay, let's take this picture down, and let's paint this wall this color. Here's the colors. And so we make a good team. We really do. Well, I sent you an article, uh, well, a couple articles I saw this week. Uh, one is that, uh, that the home prices are, are coming down about 10% in some cases. So if you've been out looking for a house or you've been thinking about selling it, uh, a lot of people sit there and say, well, you know, my house isn't selling. And we've mm-hmm. talked about that before, which means uh, the price point is off. Can be very well. And I've, I'm noticing um, there's been, I had an outtown client in this last week and they were actually had a contract on one house and they decided that they saw this other one they like better. So they backed out of that one and then jumped in and they were cash, cash offer and put in a really good offer. And they, when as we were going, they said there's already at least two other offers, you know. So we jumped in and we went really, really strong and and over sales price and waived appraisal and said we wouldn't ask for repairs, you know. After inspection, we made as clean as we could and we still lost it. So really, yeah. So they're they're if they're in a good neighborhood and you price them the right price, uh, people will jump in because people want, you know, it's like it's like your daughter she's looking for specific areas, yeah. specific schools. And if you can get in that area, um, people will line up at your door. And but you've got to price it right. I was driving through uh, with the kind of uh, Johnson Road area, and then back to the east of there. Just the other day, I was headed someplace, and I was thinking, you know, I don't think I've ever seen this few homes for sale. I mean, you drive through neighborhood after neighborhood, you just don't see any for sale signs anywhere. We're still. It's it's it. We have it's more than it was actually for a little while, but it's still. Um, it's not. It's low. Inventory's not. Everybody talking about. Oh, inventory's up. Well, not really. Not. A, I mean, in the day when I started, we'd have six thousand houses on the market. Wow. You know, because that was six months inventory about, and so now you know, a couple thousand maybe. Usually it's more like fifteen hundred. You know, because that's and that's not just the city. That's Shelby County and sometimes Fayette County. No matter how you look at it. Well, and one of the articles I sent you also was talking about that a lot of people in the real estate business are getting out because they mm-hmm. said, this is tough times. I don't need to deal with this. I'm going to get a job uh, making $16 an hour at uh, <laughs> loading packages on trucks. 
But the thing about it is that happens in every business. When the going gets tough, the tough really do get going, but everybody else says, I'm not going anymore. And so what you end up with is the people that are really good at their jobs sit there and go, I've been, I've seen this before. I know what's going to happen. It's going to turn around. And, but you've had to have lived through it before to really understand that. Well, you just change your event. You change your thing. Because like right now, we've got to, as you know, I brought David McDowell in from MIG yep. and he, you know, we're, we've got to communicate with our lenders now before or during the easy time. We don't, you know, nobody cared because it's 2%, 3% interest. We didn't, nobody's fighting for your business. Everybody's like, oh, you know, whatever. Because I'd call people, can you, you know, break that interest rate a little bit? No, it's at three and a half. Are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but now it's it's you're, they're doing all kinds of tricks. They're some of them are you know down payment assistance. Uh, down you know some of the people first time home buyers can get in um, with either little or none down. It matters on you know their income, all the different things, and of course they're buying down several points. Uh, people are deciding what they want to do with their money. In fact, when they come in now. And that's what a lot of people are doing. Sellers are offering to buy down points for them to get them to buy their house. I've got an offer right now that I just got. And I was driving, and I was reading it in the parking lot, and I've got somebody who wants us to buy down a little bit for them, mm-hmm. you know. And of course, they came in lower on the offer too, and are like, "Okay, we might have to renegotiate." Well, explain things. buy down. What does that? Like mean? in other words, they'll buy down their rate for two or three years, like a, a point or half a point or whatever. Um, I know MIG was buying down. I think they were buying down a point for three years or half a point. I can't. I can't remember exactly, but they. So that way you go in for at least three years, your rate is lower, and then as time goes on, they you may have time to refinance. Or at least you've had two or three years at a lower rate to make up more money to afford it. So. Yeah, because you can even save some in there. Absolutely. And, and uh, not have it eaten away by just interest rates, which is what you're mainly paying in the first end of a mortgage. It's well, like, and we tell people, you know, you better jump in now because the rates may go up more. Yeah. We don't know. We don't know. It's it's, it's, it's it, They were just, I just heard an announcement today that, uh, that maybe the economy is still, you know, still kind of struggling and... Got to see what they're going to do about it, you know. Yeah, well, you know, uh, the thing is, we I've lived long enough to see things go through really, really bad times. I have too, and, <laughs> unfortunately, and, and I've also seen it go through like it was uh, back not long ago, where people were outbidding each other. Mm-hmm. Stuff never even hit the market; It was never even advertised in multiple listings. Oh, people, yeah, we'd have people. I, I, we would we used to do the thing called coming soon and i quit doing it because people were beating my door down they were knocking on the client's door going hey you know yeah. we hear you're putting your house in the market we'll come you know and they're like calling me get a boy off my front porch <laughs> what do you tell people though because it's like we tell i keep telling my daughter and my son-in-law you know this is not your final home this is not your you know you don't have to have everything yeah uh, you know we get the things you know you like the neighborhood you like uh square footage you know that kind of thing but it ain't going to be the last house you'll ever live in. In all probability, at their age, they're in their 30s, right? Well, I tell them, that, you know, pick your, like, five things that you, really not even five, but four or five things that you have to have. Pick your top your top three or four and say, I have to have a bedroom down. I have to have, you know, a backyard because I have a children or whatever. You, you know, you may want an open kitchen. Your kitchen may not be open, and maybe you can open it up later, or maybe you may change your mind. I want an open kitchen and then I realized with five children, you don't want to open anything because there's too many kids. And yeah. they need, we need to compartmentalize our Him house. In. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you go in this room because this was fighting. But, yeah, we realized very quickly that we couldn't have that style house. Yeah. Too much noise. And yeah. so people, they think they want something. And now it's real funny. I read yesterday in a Southern Living article that the open floor plan may not be working for everyone. Yeah. 
that's a lot of like you your husband's watching tv and you got the mixer blowing and they're liking that sound well and you can't really get away from it if yeah. your living room is right next to your kitchen dining table next to the open kitchen mm-hmm. and uh it can be a plus it can be a negative it's not always a plus i've got a friend who said my next house i'm not doing this you know I'm seeing more and more of this because the kids are my friends, and they're out buying, you know, four hundred fifty, five hundred thousand dollar homes in their early thirties. I know. I mean, it's because they're making so much money, more money than we did at that age. I don't know. It's a weird thing. Partly yes, and partly no. I think some of it is they want what their parents have immediately, and they're not like we were. You know, I remember our first house. We, you know, we. We actually built it, but it was tiny, a little yeah. bitty thing. And we were, you know, but we loved it. But we still, I remember we, we said, don't paint it. We'll paint it. You know, let, we did all the, the, the most we could do trying Sweat to get it as cheaper. Yeah, absolutely. And th- that you don't see that as much now. And it's funny. I'll bring people through and I'll say, well, you know, you could paint this and you could do that. And a lot of them are like, well, I don't really paint. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. It's a, it's a different generation. <laughs> I'm still painting, and I'm an old woman. You know. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was like we're trying to tell my daughter, her husband, if we were living, if if, if we had stayed in the house we got in our 30s, because I was, I was, I was 35 when we got married. Right. She was 25. Should have been horse whipped. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, if we'd still living there, we're uh, in late 30s and stuff. I mean, now you wouldn't want to live there because that was we were in Cordova. Cordova changed tremendously once mm-hmm. they opened up Germantown Road and built the Wolf Chase Galleria. But uh, it is, uh, I think that it's hard to convince them that, you know, as you said, pick out five things you really want and uh, get in it right now and nail it down and have a place to live for four or five years and, and see where the economy goes then because uh, things change. Well, and two, I always tell people, live in your house. Don't change everything immediately. Just live in it for a while because you'll find once you settle in, you may think, oh, I want to knock that wall out. And later you think, no, I don't. Or I'm going to do this. And you think in, in a year or two, you think, no, no, actually, I'm gonna, I like this now. And I'm going to do something else. And yeah. so it, it is worth living in, no doubt about it. How do they get in touch with you, you and your team member? <laughs> Go team and um, 901-412-2691. Thomas and Vicki Gandy. And uh, they work very hard, and uh, he's the number guy. She's the exciting one and, and makes the house look good. So <laughs> I'm so exciting. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you, Vicki. Good talking to you. Too. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, remember, I-55 stacked up, avoided like the plague down there at Brooks, and also another wreck at Elvis Presley, and another one up at I-40. Uh, they're the uh, I-10 connectors, so be careful up there. We'll be right back. <laughs> And welcome back. Uh, traffic on I-55 is southbound lane still uh, kind of stacked up, uh, but it is better than it was. And apparently there are a lot of people listening to us and telling them to get off I-55 because now everything that is north of the I-240 loop is um, just yellow, just a caution. Uh, there's still a red on the uh, Mar- uh, SIG alert map that shows it's still stacked up. South of I-240, headed on down just into DeSoto County for a little bit. Also, that wreck on Elvis Presley, is that's still working there, but it looks like they've cleared the road up at Watkins and um, I-40 headed around toward downtown. So that's uh, the good news there. Uh, They had, I don't know if you heard about this, but the Georgia football team uh, declined Joe Biden's White House invitation. Remember all the people that said they didn't want to go see Trump at the White House, and then a couple of people snubbed him. 
They said it was a scheduling thing. <laughs> Did anybody believe that? No, I don't think so. But the University of Georgia first received it um, on May 3rd an invitation for the Bulldog football team to visit the White House on June 12th. Georgia's Athletic Association said in a statement, unfortunately, the date suggested it's not feasible given the student-athlete athlete, uh, calendar and time of year. Well, number one, they're out of school, so they're scattered all over the country. And to bring them all back or fly them individually from all their hometowns is not feasible. So it could be very well just a scheduling thing. Uh, several months back, there were gripes among Georgia supporters of the team who had not been invited sooner. There's our hope. This, of course, Georgia is, a, is kind of a, it's a, it's kind of a red state to a degree. But I think maybe, and, and that's the way the White House is. If you're not a, if you're not a Democrat, you ain't coming. Uh, so that may have something to do. Maybe they think they're Republicans. Uh, just like now, they're banning reporters. If you come in, they say that you're you're out of line or you're not showing the proper pro, uh, protocol. And don't show proper respect to the press secretary that they can ban you from coming in. <laughs> you believe that? You believe that they tell the media they can't come in because we don't like the way you're acting. You you ask too many questions and you're not nice. Uh, they, the school did say, it is our hope this uh, repeat championship team can join the many teams prior to the, that have been honored by the president. A bipartisan group of Georgia's congressional delegation wrote to the White House in January, according to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Uh, it said in February, President uh, Biden officials said the White House looks forward to welcoming Georgia, but the invitation did not arrive until last week. <laughs> did you ever send that invitation? Who's in charge of the invitation? <laughs> the Biden White House just finished smoothing over a controversy in which First Lady Jill Biden floated the idea of inviting Iowa's women's basketball team, which had finished his runner-up to LSU in the national championship. So, Invite everybody. There are no losers. Hey, right, we're going to take a quick break because uh, we're not a loser. We're taking a break and we're not going to the White House either. Stay with us. We'll be right back. And welcome back on this uh, rather overcast afternoon, but uh, just some spotty showers in the area. Uh, the, we were just, Commander Chuck was talking about the traffic out there during this afternoon rush and, uh, still backed up on, uh, Elvis Presley, uh, about a 14 minute delay there, seven minute delay on Brooks Road, uh, uh, and then East Shelby's at 12 minutes. So things are getting a lot better than they were. Uh, don't forget downtown. If you come around the South Loop and head into downtown along, uh, into Riverside Drive, they're, they've got that whole thing torn up uh, along the, uh, where the refinery is. They're putting up big walls and changing the whole thing. So if you want to avoid that, uh, I would get off if you're going downtown at uh, I-240, uh, 55 cutoff. It'll take you downtown. You get off on Crump or Union Avenue. It's a much simpler run than going through all that craziness on the other end. Uh, I was telling you earlier about how the White House really cracking down on uh, reporters who – or unruly, says the White House has proposed new rules to determine who qualifies for access to a press briefing room on a regular basis and who can be thrown out for behavior officials determined to be unprofessional. Uh, the rules represent the Biden White House's attempt to establish a code of conduct to avoid the legal jeopardy that the Trump administration ran into when it banished CNN reporter Jim Acosta, which I loved, Where's Jim Acosta now, man? You never hear from that guy anymore. I don't even think he's still at CNN. 
and journalist Brian Kareem from the White House complex in 2018 and 2019. Uh, courts later ruled that the officials violated the journalist's due process rights because they had acted without a set of written standards. More recently, press officials and even some reporters have bristled during press briefings at interruptions by journalist Simone Atiba, the White House correspondent for Today's News Africa. And Tiba has gained attention by shouting questions out of turn at uh, Biden press secretary Jen Paskey and uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre in violation of protocol, if not written rules. Uh, during a briefing room photo op with uh, Ted Lasso cast members in March, uh, Atiba demanded Jean-Pierre take his question over shouts of let it go and decorum, please, shouted by other journalists. Atiba, in a tweet Friday, suggested the proposed new rules are aimed at him, though press officials say the changes have been under development for more than a year. In a notice issued Friday, the White House proposed a very general behavioral standard to reporters who receive hard passes, the credentials that enable them to come and go at will. The White House expects that all hard pass holders will act in a professional manner while on White House grounds by respecting their colleagues. White House employees and guests observing stated restrictions on access to areas of the White House or credentialed events and not impending events or briefings on campus, notice said. Violations, it said, would be met with written warning. Repeat offenders would be suspended or even banned. Some reporters and often suggest that the language is so broad that it hands President Biden and future presidents sweeping powers to act against the reporter and that it wouldn't hold up if contested in a court. I saw him today in a news conference he had. He was at some junior college someplace in New York. And a reporter asked him a question. He goes, well, obviously you weren't listening to me earlier, so therefore I'm not going to answer your question. So he could, if he wanted to, he could construe that as an unprofessional uh, because she wasn't listening to him and ban that female reporter from asking any more questions or even being allowed into a press event. It's all about control. I mean, the whole thing is about control. I mean, I had, when I was the PIO for the sheriff's office, there were reporters that would uh, do things that uh, I didn't want them to do, like they would start streaming and not tell anybody. So if you're sitting there, you think they got their phone up. You don't know if they're looking something on their phone. They're actually uh, streaming live video of you at the scene. And if they don't tell you you're doing it, and you're talking to other reporters, we're going to do this in just about five minutes. And uh, so I had and caught a couple of them doing it. And I said, look, guys, listen to me. Do not start streaming until you tell everybody around you you're streaming. It's only respectful of them, and it also will save you from getting in trouble because who knows what you might pick up, and, and that's on you for broadcasting something that shouldn't get on the air by somebody saying something they should be saying. But if they didn't know they were being recorded, that can happen. And they always complied. I mean, I think most reporters are very respectful, and uh, they just, they're just doing their job, and they're trying to get it, the, the story the best way they can. Uh, but you got to let them know what you expect of them. And having been a reporter for most of my life, uh, I know what's expected. I know how people should act. And even though there were times, especially with young reporters, they ask questions like, uh, do you think it uh, could be suicide? Go, hey, the guy was shot six times, okay? <laughs> Unless you started at, the, at your foot and started working your way up, uh, I doubt if you're going to shoot yourself six times before you stop just because of the pain. So, uh I'm not ruling it out 100%, but it's rather doubtful. 
and that's just an inexperience on their part. They, you know, they're they're young, and that's the question. Uh, I guess I should ask: Is it's a possibility of suicide? Yeah, but uh, the White House is a whole different b- bag of worms. Uh, it says it is good to hear that the White House is looking to establish some objective standards governing White House press passes. Said Ted uh, Butoros, the lawyer who successfully defended Acosta and Kareem. But the, pro- the proposed rules, he added, are unduly vague. The D.C. Circuit Court in the Kareem case ruled that the White House may not rely on unarticulated standards of professionalism to remove reporters. But that's exactly why they keep it broad is because, I mean, they could include anything in there. You know, anything we decide we don't like, that comes with the heading of unprofessionalism. Kareem, who writes for Salon.com, acknowledged that some of the standards are necessary, but if they're trying to get rid of a reporter because they don't like the questions or because they think yelling out a question is rude, I just refer to them to the Acosta-Kareem cases. They will lose because neither one of them ever got back. The White House says its goal is to not to thwart ad- adversarial journalism, but to manage security risks. Anybody believe in that? Press officials have expressed concern for example about reporters entering restricted events at the White House without prior authorization or wandering into restricted parts of the grounds. I mean, if you've never been to the White House, once you get through the main gate, that's the main uh, stopping point. If you have press credentials that pretty much have all, it's like all access uh, pass if you go to a concert, you can pretty much go wherever you want until you get inside the White House. So that means if you're out on the grounds and they're having some event in the Rose Garden and you just walk over there to find out what's going on, it may be something they don't want the press to be invited to. And so, it, it, once again, it all goes back to control. Uh, current passes will expire July 31st, and holders have to reapply for a one-year credential. White House officials say their aim is to tighten up the number of unused hard passes. Believe me, ain't none of them unused. If you've got a hard pass, you show up every time they call a press conference because everybody's in total fear. If they lose their hard pass, you can't cover the White House. If you can't cover the White House, you ain't got no job. So, um, and they know that. Uh, said that uh, they estimate that 40% of all the hard pass holders haven't used their passes in the past 90 days, potentially creating another security risk. An official declined to say how many passes are in circulation. It's because they don't know. The White House uh, Correspondents Association, which represents beat reporters, has taken an unofficial, non-committal stance on the new rules. But White House reporters who have closely monitored the rules say they could discriminate against uh, freelancers or journalists who don't hold credentials for Congress or the Supreme Court. They have always been lobbyists and hobbyists and frauds covering the White House, said one veteran White House journalist who spoke of the condition of anonymity to speak freely. But the new rules would still allow them to enter the White House on a day pass. They're trying not to put the uh, Pandora back in the box. So I'd be glad you don't have a pass pass for the White House. We're going to take a quick break, and then uh, we'll be right back to wrap it up. And welcome back on this uh, lovely afternoon. Traffic's still kind of a, a mess down on I-55 south, south of the I-240 uh, south loop, headed down into Mississippi, DeSoto County. They had an overturned car there, and uh, it is moving better, but there's still uh, about a 15-minute delay, so I would avoid that if at all possible. 
they, uh, I don't know if you've been paying attention, earlier in the week they had this panel of uh, people that that uh, was considering reparations for African Americans living in California. And they uh, came up with what they described was uh, the best plan, which amounts to about a million dollars uh, for every African American, although there are some of them that said that it should be more like 200 million per person. Uh, so that, that they floated that out there. And then uh, Gavin Newsom, who is the, the governor of uh, <laughs> California, who'd been talking about this and saying, you know, that's the right thing to do and uh, uh, that uh, they need to really um, consider that and maybe even had been behind the putting this uh, panel together to decide on, you know, what would be fair. Now he's come out and said that uh, <laughs> he's, uh, he can't really get behind the, the current deal because uh, it really, uh, number one, how they going to pay for it. I think it would end up costing something like, I don't know how many billion dollars, but they still don't have any idea how many people could even qualify because you have to prove that you're actually a descendant of slaves. And, and California was a free state. There were never slaves in California. And so, number one, uh, if you were a descendant of slaves and you were in Georgia or Mississippi or Alabama, any of the slave states, uh, they should be the ones paying for it. Why should California taxpayers have to pay for slavery, which they had nothing to do with it? For that matter, why should we have to pay for reparations? Well, we had nothing to do with it. That's like... You know, some guy your grandfather beating up, uh, then their kids come to you and say, we were filing assault charges on you. I didn't beat you up. I didn't beat up your grandfather. Uh, but, uh, you know, there's what it is, it's just like the college loan um, uh, deal that Biden was talking about forgiving for all the college students, which he made that uh, promise when he was running for office then again in the midterms. Of course, he knew that it would never pass. He had no authority to forgive those loans, but that didn't stop him from promising him. Um, so uh, what the, ended up happening is they really just just kind of went away. But in the meantime, you know, they got all those young people to vote for all their people because uh, they, uh, they uh, uh, you know, after the vote, it's too late. They got what they wanted. But uh, California Governor Newsom declines to back reparations check, says slavery's legacy is more than cash payments. <laughs> Always like, Let's see how I can rephrase this. He says uh, he declined to endorse the cash payments, which could reach as much as $1.2 million per single recipient, recommended by his reparations task force. Yeah, he did form it, telling Fox News Digital that dealing with the legacy of slavery is about much more than cash payments. Reparations task force, that's all they were thinking about <laughs> What are, what are we going to do, sing Kumbaya? Is that going to help everybody uh, get over that? Uh, we'll all get together and uh, and talk about how bad it was. They want the cash. This has been an important process, and we should continue to work as a nation to reconcile our original sin of slavery and understand how that history has shaped our country, Newsom said in a statement on uh, Fox News Digital. Well, the Democrat governor applauded the task force work, he declined to endorse any specific recommendations, though he pledged to continue to advance systemic changes that ensure an inclusive and equitable future for all Californians. That's when you start going. 
dealing with the legacy is about much more than cash payments. Many of the recommendations put forward by the task force are critical action items we've already been hard at work addressing, breaking down barriers to vote and bolstering resources to address hate, enacting sweeping law enforcement and justice reforms to build trust and safety, all of which I think everybody's fine with. Nobody should ever be treated differently. And uh, But I think when you start talking about giving folks a million bucks and, and other people have to pay for it, that's when you start losing support. Because, <laughs> I mean... It's not like uh, this is a great time for anybody out there, I guess, uh, except for billionaires and millionaires. But for the rest of us, have you noticed everything costs $5 to go to the store? I don't care what it is. It could be a bag of chips, 5 bucks. It could be a, uh, a package of candy bars, 5 bucks. Maybe a candy bar and cereal. My God, cereal is like 7 8 9 $10 a box, depending on how much sugar is in there. And so... Right now, everybody's just trying to, you know, get enough for dinner, maybe get a pizza, and uh, and then somebody comes along and said, yeah, we're going to have everybody chip in and pay uh, a million five to everybody who uh, was uh, was a slave. Well, if you're going to do that, why not do the same thing for the Irish who came over here one time? There were signs all over the place that no dogs or Irish are allowed in bar. Uh, the Irish could only get jobs working on the railroad with the Chinese. And so nobody let them rent a house. I mean, there was, you know, it was terrible. They were terrible to the Irish, but ain't nobody talking about bailing out the Irish. And it's happened, happened to Italians and Italians neighborhoods in, in Chicago, New York. You know, they were discriminated against and treated terribly. And so at one time or another, we've all been treated shabbily, but, uh, ain't nobody going to get reparations for it. And then you got the folks down in Austin telling students to use the word women, W-I-M-M-I-N, instead of the word women with an M-E-N. A non-standard spelling of the word women used by feminists to avoid the word ending in men. I read the university glossary before it was removed from the website. I went to the University of Texas, so let me tell you something. <laughs> we did not agree on a lot of things. They said, why did you even come here? You're not like us. I went, how come you came here? You're not like me, and I'm from Texas. It's Most of the people there ain't from Texas. Let me tell you that. But the University of Texas Austin is recommending using women in place of the word women since the latter contains that horrible word, men. Men, 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 men. Woo-hoo-hoo. The suggestion was initially published on the university's financial and administrative services website under the language matters glossary of terms. I mean, how could a university tell anybody how to talk anyway? I mean, good luck telling me how to talk. Uh, women, a non-standard spelling word women used by feminists to avoid the word ending in men, uh, read the glossary before it was removed from their website. Christopher F. Rufo, a Manhattan Institute fellow and writer for City Journal, alleged it was after his finding of the recommendation that the university removed it from the Financial Administrative Services website. I'm sure what happened, and it happens a lot, is you got some undergraduate, uh, somebody that's uh, put together the you know the menu board out in front of an office that says who's, who's the office here or a glossary, and uh, they just go ahead and put it in there, and then nobody knows about it until somebody complains, and then they go, we got to get rid of it. But you got to watch them every minute. They're always out there. That's it for today. We'll be back tomorrow. Watch out for some rain showers in the area. Nothing serious, but just be aware. See you tomorrow.